It's another week on the SpinCast podcast, and today I've got Jeremy Fain calling in from California to talk about some psychology stuff. Should be a fun thing, a little bit of an experiment with someone outside of my house, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today I have Jeremy Fain with me on the uh, microphone. Uh, This is a little bit of an experimental podcast because it's the first time we're actually bringing someone in from not here. So um, Jeremy, go ahead and say hi. Hi, everybody. (laughs) It's good to have you here. Uh, And I guess normally uh, I know what everyone's drinking because we're all sitting around the same table. Uh, I'm continuing on the same thing I have been for the last couple episodes, which is a uh, Montucky cold snacks, uh, which are delicious. If you've never had one, um, what are you having to drink? Uh, I am having a, a good head beer. It's a lo- It's a Euro lager. It's a, that sounds a um, and I, I've actually never had it before, so let's crack this and see where it goes. All right. Well, cheers to you, sir. Cheers. I don't know mm. how to like clink something, but I just kind of knock it. I'm kind of knocking the beer against the table and see what happens. That works. All right. Mm. So let's That's pretty good. <laughs> let's get right into it. Um, uh, so, Jeremy, you said you had some uh, you had some things you wanted to discuss. Some uh, you s- mentioned cultural psychology, uh, which sounded interesting. Yeah, so, tell me uh, a little bit. So, about it. little bit of background. Little bit of background. Um, uh, I'm a full time psychology student um, studying in Los Angeles, uh, and um, primarily my focus is on. Uh, social psychology and cultural psychology, um, meaning a study of sort of the cultural and social phenomena um, and behavior patterns um, that we see in both individuals and in groups. Um, so in, you've heard of things like the bystander effect um, yeah. and, you know, fairly, you know, named things like that. But then there's also um, general phenomenon like, um, general phenomena like, um, uh, prejudice, uh, discrimination, these sorts of group behaviors that everybody engages in, whether they know it or not, sure. um, uh, biases and all, all of those sorts of things. So that's primarily what my focus is on rather than on a clinical sort of therapeutic side. So I'm more about research of groups um, and sort of patterns of behavior um, and seeing what that what that knowledge can do as far as improving relations um, on an interpersonal and intercommunity basis. Uh, so that's a, lo- a long-winded way of saying uh, I study groups rather than fix people. Okay, cool. Uh, um, and you so said you're a full-time student of, now. Uh, how long have you been a student I'm a full-time, for? Um, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a, a weird question. Uh, te- where I've been, I've only been a student for a year, but um, I've actually been in and out of school uh, since I was 18. I'm 23 now, so you know it, it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster. Um, sure. But that's a that's a story for another podcast. Okay, because uh, we're we're here to talk about psychology and other fun stuff. Cool. All right, so uh, let's then let's get into that. So. Um, 
I, I guess where where do you want to start? Because I I don't personally have a lot of basis in this. I, I do have some sure. familiarity, but not much. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I guess a really good place to start um, is right here at home, here in America. Um, are you familiar with the concept of individualist uh, versus collectivist societies? Um, not enough to describe it on a microphone, but uh, okay, sure. Yeah. So I'll 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 kind of spout it off for you. Um, so these are so individualist versus collectivist societies is a, is a model of psychological thinking. Um, that uh, specifically cultural thinking um, that talks about differences in values and morals, uh, beliefs and goals within different societies based on um, the nature of their arrangement, if that makes sense. Um, So, for example, uh, an individualist society um, is a society that focuses very heavily on personal success and achievement um, on very on small sort of what we consider like a nuclear family, a mom, dad, kids, dogs, whatever. Um, they they focus more on um, on on individual success and achievement. Um, they're much more um, much more oriented towards doing the most that an individual can, rather than um, an individual acting as a cog in a machine. Okay. Conversely, uh, collectivistic societies um, are cultures and societies in which um, each person serves a, a function, and that function is to advance the group. Um, the this is what we traditionally think of um, when we talk about sort of uh, East Asian societies. So China is very heavily collectivistic. Um, Japan, very heavily collectivistic, um, even North and South Korea. Um, these are all very, um, very sort of tightly knit, large communities um, where one person's individual success is not necessarily seen as a good thing um, when it could impact the success of the group. Sure. Um, so um, America uh, is very individualist. Um, right. most west most western societies are um, and it's very interesting to see the differences in attitudes and beliefs between these two systems okay uh so i mean you kind of answered my question there i was uh, you were <laughs> saying uh some examples of some uh individualist versus uh um oh, sorry i can't collectivist um, collectivist that's what i was going to say culturalist yes. i couldn't I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, individualist versus collectivist. So individu- individualists, more like the society we live in today here in America, where uh, my this like me being successful is kind of uh, looked up to, or looked down, or not being successful is like looked down on uh, individually. Correct. Um, in our society versus. Um, you know, I don't, I've never been to China or Japan or anything like that, but, sure. uh, from the example that you said, where it's more about uh, as a society, all of us are benefiting from the developments that all of us have made versus, uh, just one person being kind of ahead and a whole bunch of people being behind. Is that right? Okay. Um, so there's, so there are a couple of sort of defining features of a, of a, 
of an individualistic society. Um, and a couple of those, just rattling them off the top of my head, um, what's known as a low-context communication. Okay. Um, so what that means is that um, there isn't a whole lot of reading between the lines when people are communicating in an individualistic society. Um, that means that uh, communication is um, it's direct. Um, it's, uh, sort of, it's, it's not general. It's very specific. Um, and it's... So it's, um, it's precise. Uh, so people say what they mean and aren't hoping that you hoping or expecting, um, that you grasp their meaning without them saying exactly what they want. So that's, um, that's a really interesting kind of point that you just made. It actually comes up with something, uh, that happened to me recently. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that's definitely true for the majority of the society that we live in, but, uh, even I do this, like I write blogs and I, you know, write people letters and, and things like that. And even sometimes in social situations, I'll say things and I feel like I'm not as direct. Uh, sometimes I'll say something and hope that other people can like interpret meaning from those things. Uh, right. and this actually happened recently. A friend of mine, uh, started a, massive discussion on uh, Facebook, which was, which was interesting. He said something that was fairly controversial to say, I suppose, uh, depending on how you took it. Um, but if you took it very word for word and didn't like, you know, think about it or try and, uh, understand the motives behind why he would say it, um, it's a very black and white subject. Like it's very easy to choose one side or the other. And and that's what sparked this discussion. I mean, it's it's been going for like four days now and it's all that's (laughs) going on in my Facebook feed. Um, but, uh, he actually made a few points and actually a few other people that commented even on the other side of his discussion, other side of what he believes, uh, said several times that, um, you know, like Facebook, you're it's it's there's not enough time and place to like discuss like all the uh, kind of background to say like why I said the thing that I needed to, and and instead you were supposed to kind of like garner that from you, you were just supposed to like figure that out from this like small context, um, and because you didn't, that's why you're getting very heated about these things. Uh, I, I, right. Yeah. And and this what this all ties into is that because I, I assume that most of the people on this feed were American. Yeah, I mean, it, probably everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's probably safe to assume that they, the every single person, and even if they're not from America, they could be from like the UK or Canada. These are all still very um, individualistic societies where communication. Oh, sorry is very clear, um, is very precise and direct. And so when somebody makes a post like this, one of two things happens, and usually it's a combination of the two. Uh, people are going to assume that they are talking, that they are speaking literally and specifically about an issue rather than look for context clues and wonder, mm, maybe they are, maybe they mean more than they say. Um, and the other thing that's going to happen is that people are going to be confused, um, because the the communication was not direct, was not clear. Um, 
which is why we as a, as a society uh, really dislike things like vague booking. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with vague booking, that's when somebody on Facebook or any other form of social media uh, posts some sort of vague, unclear post that could be construed as related to anything, usually when they're, they want attention but don't want to say, hey, give me attention. That's like literally uh, my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I absolutely, trust me, I've seen your Facebook feed. I absolutely know this is true. Um, and this is, people dislike this because it's frustrating. Um, and it's frustrating because we are, we as a society are very used to conveying um, and expressing ourselves very directly and very clearly. Um, sure. Now, I, I guess uh, this, this is going to come across like super arrogant of me. Uh, and I apologize sure. in advance. Uh, but, uh, to me, it feels like, uh, people just aren't putting, um, thought into words. Um, it's, it's actually one of my favorite things is to like act. In fact, when I do write things, I, I do that purposefully. I, I try to write vaguely so that, uh, different interpretations could come out of the same thing. Uh, uh, kind of like here's a puzzle hoping you could solve it if you have enough context of me specifically. Right. Um, but do, do you think, uh, and maybe this is entirely incorrect, but do you think that this is a product of maybe, um, lesser educated people that, that maybe require more direct things that say like, this is exactly what this means. So therefore I understand it. Whereas maybe someone uh, at a higher education level might be able to say like, this is exactly what this means. And then they would say like, well, but it could mean anything. Um, that's an interesting, an interesting question, an interesting proposal. Um, I personally have not seen any research that dictates um, that, that, that supports that idea, sure. but it's, definitely something worth looking into and i've never actually looked at looked at it from that perspective um on the whole individualistic societies tend to have higher levels of education than collectivistic societies um, okay that's interesting uh well because collectivistic societies again are more focused on um subsistence rather than uh living to excess um and so they are much more likely to educate themselves uh, directly to the point where they become contributing members of society and then stop. Um, meanwhile, people in individualistic societies are always striving to be better than they were. Um, and for the record, these are not value judgments. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Um, they, both, they both function differently and have their ups and downs. They both have positive and negative um, aspects to both of them. Sure. Um, and and the, this, I mean one is much more susceptible to corruption while the other is much more uh, susceptible to, um, to general low satisfaction. People in individualistic societies tend to have lower self-esteem, um, but, uh, or, or higher self-esteem, but also higher rates of depression. Um, Interesting. yeah, it, 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 ha- it has to do a lot with, um, emotive, um, display. Um, so then, okay. So, uh, going back to kind of my, um, intelligence argument, maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe if we talked about like different types of intelligence, where if we talked sure. about, 
you know, like we could be very uh, maybe materialistically or, uh, you know, book smart kind of intelligent that allows us to kind of advance further in one way or another, but then maybe just less in tune with like emotional um, happiness and emotional fulfillment, um, just like less good at those things because we're constantly striving to the other side. Again, this is all, uh, you know, I'm just reach swinging for the fences here. So sure. Sure. So uh, societies whose members are members, Try that again. Members of an individualistic society are, uh, on the whole, better at expressing their themselves emotionally because self-expression is encouraged. Um, whereas displays of emotion in um, in more collectivistic societies are seen as disruptive um, and rocking the boat, so to speak. Um, and as I as I talk about these things, you you may kind of recognize um, this phenom- these phenomena. In, um, in 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 culture that you've seen, um, so you, you uh, there's a, a fairly heavy stereotype that um, a lot of East Asian societies, their members are fairly stoic, are not very emotional, um, and which is they're, they they don't display a whole. Uh, you cut out there again, um, but. But I, but I think I take what you were saying is that uh, individualistic societies uh, actually kind of pride themselves on being able to, um, I, I guess, like they do express their emotions because it's important to the invid- individual, whereas uh, um, collectivists do not because your personal emotions shouldn't affect the society as a whole. Uh, the success or failure of a society as a whole. Uh, exactly. And so basically um, what you're saying is like all of the ideas that I've had thus far in the podcast are complete bullshit. And, <laughs> and I should, I just, mean, no, those are, uh, those are, those, those are your words, not mine. Uh, no, but. I mean, it's totally fine. Uh, again, I, uh, like I said, going into this podcast, I am not nearly the expert in this. I have very little, uh, <laughs> experience in it. So, uh, I'm just going to, you know, I don't know. I'm going to make some assumptions and probably be wrong a lot of the time. So the, the, one, of the, one of the first things that I, that I learned about psychology as I started to study it um, is that a lot of what we think about human behavior is super, count, is super counterintuitive. What is the, the truth is rather super counterintuitive. Um, what we think makes a lot of sense is actually just not true. Um, and once you, once you kind of recognize that a pattern develops and you can kind of start to see, well, I think it's, it might be this. So it's probably the opposite. (laughs) Okay. So like any assumption Um, that I make for the next hour, I should probably just change it to the opposite of that. Right. But then you'll be wrong again. So why even bother? Fair enough. If, if there is it, if there is a, 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 an aspect of human behavior um, that you think is really super simple, it, chances are it's probably not. Um, we are we as a species are incredibly complex, um, but once you figure us out, uh, we are also very predictable. Um, we are we are very easy to control and manipulate. Um, 
despite us priding ourselves on our mental and emotional fortitude. Uh, so that's always nice to talk about. Sure. I mean, th- what's funny about that is I, I had a, uh, I had another conversation um, with someone else where we were talking about um, social engineering and mm-hmm. and how actually uh, easy it is and how, how actually most of us are pretty good at it uh, without even knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then people that actually practice it are, I mean, it's super easy to like convince people to uh, do things kind of, uh, you know, against their will while making it seem like it is their will. Um, yes. Um, so that is a, is a, is a phenomenon. Um, not, it's not called, it's sort of related to cognitive dissonance, um, which is this, this cognitive dissonance is the, the general discomfort, um, that you kind of, that you feel when you engage in behavior that contradicts that of your, your image of yourself. Um, and the hoops that we jump through, those mental gymnastics that we do, um, in order to convince ourselves uh, that the reason that we're doing this thing is really because we think of this other thing, it creates a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, we continue we we continue to engage in behavior that we previously thought abhorrent because we engaged in it once before and had to justify why we did it. That's wow. Um. <laughs> um, it also helps when you're uh, part of a group. Um, when you when you be, when you're part of a group uh, and you become more a member of a faceless mass, um, you become much more susceptible to doing things that you would not do otherwise because you don't want to go against the tide. You don't well, want to because the, the group is yeah the group is exactly doing it. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I. The name of the phenomenon is escaping me at the moment because there are so many diff- there are so many related uh, there are so many related behaviors um, that we engage in um, with very similar names. Um, this one specifically is when uh, all members of a of a certain group believe a certain thing is wrong or don't agree with something. But because nobody else is voicing their discomfort or disagreement, they assume everybody else is in agreement and therefore they don't say anything. But everybody in that group is assuming that. And so nobody ever speaks out. So um, I, I, I talked about this uh, again, not to bring up a podcast you haven't even listened to. But, oh, no, it's uh, fine. But, uh, I talked about this, <coughs> or at least a similar phenomenon, uh, with, uh, with another guest. Uh, and we talked about how groups in general can just like essentially just will things into existence. And then now what you're saying is that once something exists, groups will kind of uh, perpetuate them because they don't like each individual inside the group doesn't want to be the person that like calls it out. Um, Exactly. Which is which is really interesting because again, um, you know the 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 idea that we were talking about before was that you know groups give things weight. You know, like you could basically out of out of no take. A, we talked about flat Earth theorists. Uh, so like all of a sudden, there's this small group of people that believe the Earth is flat, and who knows? Maybe you're one of them, and I'm going to offend the shit out of you. <laughs> uh, I, I really hope you're not, but. Uh, 
but if you are, uh, f- fuck it, I don't care. Um, spin, spin. <laughs> do you, have have you met me? I I have met you. I'm just I'm, I'm making no assumptions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. No, I'm not a flat earther. <laughs> All right. So, but anyway, so like now this group exists that uh, that like believes this, and then um, you know there people have come up with enough. I don't know proof or whatever you want to call it um, to prove that the that the Earth is flat. Uh, and convinced a large enough body of people that now the people that are part of that group, even if they started to question it, probably wouldn't say anything because it would be going against the group they already belong to. And so it perpetuates the same yep. idea. And this is, this, is, this is how cults get started. Um, this is how, how, how cults um, uh, become more powerful, uh, is they... they uh, they, they use something, and this is, uh, I'm not, not implying that, that the flat earth camp is as insidious as this, because it, they're, they're, they're not, they're just Sure, wrong. they're just making they're just, stupid they're just decisions wrong. with their life. But, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. They're, 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 not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not malicious or evil, they're just wrong. It's, and that, that's fine, you can be wrong. Yeah. Um, but when, the, the, this is how... Again, this is how cults get started um, and, and grow in power is they start by asking you to do something very simple, very easy, show up to a meeting or listen or have a conversation. And then once you've done that, then they'll ask you to show up to more meetings or start to show up to, or go to meetings that are further away or uh, start to talk to other people about the about this group and share I feel your like you're belief. talking about Scientology at this point because it's like hey come in <laughs> take a take a little personality test everyone loves personality tests you want to know more about you I, don't you um, I am so I I am not specifically thinking about Scientology I'm not I am not uh, by name calling out Scientology but well, this, I am, this is but... this yeah you are this this is how Scientology operates. Um, and then they slowly, you know, bit by bit, they ask you to do more and more and more and more until you're suddenly very much entrenched within this group and a member of their community. And they, uh, they, they, they require obedience of you. They require you to, to do things without, to do what they ask without asking them why, without questioning them. Yeah. Um, and there's no room for, there's no room for uh, dissidents or for disagreement in these groups. Uh, and eventually you get so deep into it that getting out is nearly impossible. Uh, and not necessarily talking about threats and uh, other consequences of leaving but just the, the consequence of no longer being a part of a group which you've invested time energy and often money into is enough of a deterrent to keep people in the group uh, and so they convince themselves that they are believers even though they are uncomfortable with it um, and eventually that discomfort goes away as they as they de-individuate um, as they become a member of a group and not an individual 
So it, it, it's. I mean, I know we're we're dogging a little bit on Scientology, and to be fair, I have zero actual experience with Scientologists, except there's the uh, Church there's of Scientology, like three or four blocks away from my work. Uh, don't worry, you're not missing anything. They're fucking insane. Well, I mean, every time I pass by it, I'm like, I want to take a personality test. Like literally every time, I'm like, I I should go in and see what they have to say, uh, and I never do. Uh, I probably well, never will. The, the, but the, the, the thing is, the thing that oh, I was sorry. no, the thing that I, was interesting that you were talking about was like this idea that like uh, eventually I've like spent so much time and uh, there's some financial burden that I've taken on and uh, you know like I've I've invested so much of myself into this thing that I buy into it uh, and it really feels like me and my current gym membership right now, uh, which mm-hmm. is that I have dumped money into paying for a gym membership that I never go to uh, and I won't cancel it because I'm like, no, but like, I'm going to go to the gym. Like, and I've spent so much money already. Like, why would I cancel it? I need to go in and do some workouts and I yep. never do. And now, now have you, have you, have you ever quit a gym membership before? Uh, no, this is the first and only gym membership I've ever had. All right. So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you eventually quit that gym membership. You're, you're going to quit, and then you're going to get emails asking you to come back, and you'll get calls saying, hey, this is Coach so-and-so from such-and-such gym. Uh, if, and, that, if that guy you know, calls me, fuck that guy. <laughs> right, of course. No, naturally. But like this, this, happens, this happens when you, when you sign up to get one of the free training sessions uh, when you sign on for a gym. You'll, sure. go, you'll go to a free training session. Uh, they'll take all your measurements. They'll set up a plan for you. They'll tell you the prices, and you'll be like, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to sign up right now." And they'll say, "Hey, that's a, that's okay. No pressure." A couple days later, uh, you'll get a call from the coach saying, "Hey, it's so and so. I want to get you in and for another training session. Give me a call." And they they apply pressure, and they they keep applying this gentle pressure uh, until eventually you give in. Um, because you're, you've sunk cost into the gym membership. Um, you've spent money in the, on the gym membership. And so it doesn't make sense to quit because otherwise you, you'll have spent all that money for nothing. So what you're going to do is you're going to continue to spend money on that gym membership. You're not going to go, but you're going to convince yourself that you're going to keep that you are going to go, which is why you keep spending money. Yeah, and I think it's actually more the the time investment that that's even that's even more uh, you know like kind of a frustrating thing to lose, right? Because it, I spent time like researching a gym that I wanted to join and figuring out which one was going to be the best for me, and like had the programs mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. And then you know the first like week or two, I actually went to the gym and and was mm-hmm. like doing all this stuff. And so now it's like okay, well. I haven't gone in a while, but I could go back and I was working out so hard and I was making progress and stuff like that. I should totally go back and do that again. Um, and it's less the fact that it costs X dollars a month, you know, like whatever that's, you know, in, I, I said this in another podcast, like, you know, like this is me just talking with a lot of white privilege, like whatever, okay. uh, you know, I, I have enough money to pay for a gym membership, uh, it's not it's not breaking me financially, uh, but it's more the reason why I want to like I'm not getting rid of it is not the financial thing. It's it's the 
that I've already invested some time and I don't want to not have that sure. all go to waste. Sure. sure. And, and that, but that time, that time is a cost. It may not be a financial cost, but it's still, it's a cost. Yeah, and exactly. It, it's, it's an, it's something that you have that you gave up in order to do this thing. And you, f- and you feel consciously or otherwise that to stop would be to throw away everything that you've done, despite the fact that you're not actually going anywhere. Yeah, and again, uh, I, and I think that, it was it was more the statement that the time was a more uh, valuable cost than the financial burden of it. You know, again, it could be different for different people, but but I feel like that's actually a very significant part of it. So, like, even if we went back to the Scientology thing, it's like okay, well, you've already spent 10 minutes talking to me about your personality. Why wouldn't you want to come to another meeting? You know, and then, well, you've already been at this meeting for a while. You should just come back to another one. Like, you, you know, like you've already invested all this time. Like the, the, money, the money happens because people are greedy and everyone wants to get paid for everything, right? Uh, but, um, but I think the thing that actually sucks people in is like this, this it, it, idea that like I've I've invested myself into this more more so than my finance my finances. No, absolutely. There, there's a there's a sense, and it's a it's a combination of all of those things. It's a sense of um, it's a sense of financial costs, a sense of uh, cost of time, uh, a sense of um, what you know. I, I've spent all of this energy building, becoming a member of this community. You know what would I what would I what would I do if I didn't do this? Um, because it's difficult to remember what you did before you spent your time doing the thing that you currently do. You know, I, I can't I can't imagine what I would be doing if I wasn't playing video games a lot. Um, despite the fact that there are probably a lot of things I could be doing. Yeah, cer- I certainly don't remember what I did before I had a smartphone or a computer, um, and those were you know. I was probably 13 when I got my computer. So that's an interesting uh, concept too. I remember the first time I got a smartphone. I was uh, I was already I was living in California um, uh, on my own, and uh, yeah, like I, I, it's hard to remember like right before I got because I got the first, the iPhone when it came out in 2004 was it? Uh, so like right, right. before. Right before it came out in October of 2004, so that like the entire year of 2004, when I was living on my own in uh, in California, like what did mm-hmm. I do with my life? I don't even think I owned a computer at the time either. Like I might have, I, but I feel like I didn't. Like I used email at the library or something. Uh, right. Yeah, it was. That's that's a strange thing to think about. Strange world. It, it most certainly is, um, and it, it's it, it is an interesting idea to to kind of think about what would I do if I didn't if I wasn't doing this. Um, and for a lot of people, that's really scary, um, and so they continue to do what they what they're what they've always done, despite them not wanting to, or despite them feeling that it was wrong to do so. But they just continue on because it's all they've known. Um, and it, it's to go back to something else would be too much of a, a change. Um, so we, we, 
kind of got a little sidetracked. Yeah, I'm like, sorry. That's, that's like literally that's, all my that's, fault. That, that's uh, I think that's probably that's fine. You know, it's a natural progression of a discussion. Um, but to rein it back in a little bit um, towards um, well, towards what we were discussing, these these phenomena um, is that as as a species, we are highly susceptible to manipulation um, because uh, we don't like feeling manipulated, and so we we do these mental hoops. We jump through these mental hoops. Um, to convince ourselves that it was all our idea and we're geniuses. <laughs> How could I possibly not like this thing? It was my idea and all I have are great ideas. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's advertising 101, right? Uh, yep. Marketing, right? Uh, yep. Make, make people think that they want it. Make, it, make people think it was their idea. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, again, not to stray too far from uh, your original mm-hmm. points again, but, uh, you know, like you talk about things like uh, Facebook ads and stuff like that, where, um, you know, it, it initially I go and look for something. So I'm like, I look for a guitar. Uh, mm-hmm. And then a few hours later, I'm browsing Facebook and I'm getting ads for the same guitar I was looking at. Um, and now it, even though I know it's an ad, like I see that it's an ad, I know it's just targeting me uh, to try and get me to buy something. Um, it still feels like I kind of, you know, like I initiated that process because I went and right. searched for it. So this was all my idea. I should still, I should totally go buy this thing. Um, right. So now, so, ima- so imagine that you, out of curiosity, you go and look up a guitar, you look up the price. You're like, Oh, it's a little too much. And you, so you, you, you close out of the tab, you forget about it. Three hours later, you're browsing Facebook, and you find an ad for a guitar, and you don't think much of it. You're not you, you're just kind of like, a oh, stupid ads, blah, blah, blah. You scroll past it. And then a couple days later, you're walking down the street, and you walk past Guitar Center, and you see a guitar. And you're like, you know, I've been wanting a guitar. And all it took, all it took, was this suggestion uh, that 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 little this little thing implanted in your head, just saying, "Hey, guitars are cool, right? You want a guitar?" And despite the fact that initially you said this guitar is too expensive, I'm not going to buy it. Um, the fact that you kind of you were peripherally sort of uh, thrown these images of a guitar, um, it makes you think that it that that you've been wanting the guitar the whole time, um, that it was your idea to get this guitar. Yeah. And it, and to be fair, it's maybe that you, it's not that you didn't want it the whole time. It, it just right. reinforced like kind of a weak idea. Like originally you were like, yeah, I could, it'd be cool to have a guitar. Uh, and then it slowly reinforces it over time to make you go like, no, that I, that, I need that you to have this guitar. Really yeah. I've, I've wanted exactly. it for so long. <clears throat> exactly. When that's not necessarily true, you just one day thought it was good. It was a cool idea to have a guitar, and then very suddenly you end up with a guitar that you and then and then you buy that guitar, and then you don't have any time to play it. But rather yeah. than sell it, you hold on to it because because you go, you've obligated if, what, yourself to owning a guitar because you you've you've sunk the time and you you've sunk the time and energy into getting a guitar and learning to play the guitar, and you. 
Well, you, not even that. You, you, in that case, uh, I feel like, you, you, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe like I bought the guitar and I took guitar lessons and I learned how to play guitar, but maybe I just bought the guitar, uh, kind of, you know, because eventually enough, enough advertisements happened and I just bought it. So I didn't actually spend a lot of time. I did spend money on it. Uh, but now it's become like the emotional investment in that thing. Like I can't mm-hmm. get rid of this guitar because I I've wanted, wanted it. For so it long. So, yeah. Like I, I have these aspirations of like, maybe one day I'll take guitar lessons. Maybe one day I'll be good at guitar or whatever. Exactly. Um, and so and, it's the emotional then, investment more than the time right. or the financial investment at that point. Right. And then, and then imagine that you do end up taking those guitar lessons, but you still don't have time to play the guitar. Then it becomes even harder to get rid of that guitar because not only did you spend money on the guitar, but you also spent money and time on guitar lessons. Yeah. And so you're thinking, well, now that I spent all of this time and money on it, how could I possibly get rid of it? I, 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 eventually I'll use it. That's, this is what's known as the sunken cost fallacy. Yeah. Um, the idea that, that you've already invested so much of your resources into it, into something, an activity, an item, a belief, whatever, that to abandon it now would be a waste of all of those past efforts. Um, and this is, again, this is a fallacy. There's no, there's, there's no benefit to maintaining something that provides no benefit. Um, for the sake of you having spent time and money on it, because you're just going to end up spending more time and money on it. Um, so to be fair, this is actually the entire reason why this podcast exists because I invested a shitload of time and money (laughs) into, uh, audio equipment and getting a podcast set up. Uh, and then, um, the, I, I was supposed to, this was supposed to be like more people kind of thing. And it kind of, it has mostly fallen through and I was like, well, fuck it. I've already invested all this time. Uh, I'm just going to do it on my own. And if they ever come around, then I'll have two podcasts. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a reasonable, that's uh, a reasonable reaction um, is I have all this stuff. Why not use it? But it would be sunk. It, it would, that's not really quite sunken cost um, because in order for it to be a true sunken cost fallacy, it's for it, it would require that it continue to provide no benefit. So sure. if, you, if you're if you're sitting at all this podcast equipment, sitting looking at all this podcast equipment, and then you go, I'm not going to use it right now, but I might later. That's the sunken cost fallacy. If you're actually using it, it means that you're 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 you recognize that you have to use it in order to get in order to get your value out of it. Sure, but you are. You, you gain no value out of something by not using it, but also not getting rid of it. Yeah. And I think kind of, that's what I was getting at is like the equipment that I have that I'm using to record this now is stuff that I bought, uh, you know, like nine years ago and has been sitting around <laughs> in my house. Uh, so for nine years, it was a sunken cost fallacy. I've just been holding on to this oh, yeah. shit, uh, just because I was like, Oh, at some point I'll use it. Um, and I think maybe once or twice I pulled it out to like record a song or something like that. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, it's just been taking up space and I've moved it from apartment to apartment and it's heavy as shit. It's, it's not, <laughs> it's not a fun thing to move. 
uh, and it's it hasn't been until the last uh, like two or three months that I've finally um, decided that I'm going to use it. So I, I feel like I turned it around, but for a good portion of my life, uh, most of this equipment has just been exactly that. So yep, and that's I mean that that is the reality of it is that when you when you ha- when you encounter something like this, you encounter this this effectively waste of, of resources, um, you can either cut and run or you can do your best to get your use out of it and, and hope that, that the results that come out of it, uh, are enough to make up for all of the resources that you've put into it. Um, so your gym membership, for example, um, if you continue to not go, but also continue to not cancel, then that's a sunken cost fallacy. Um, that's not even necessarily a fallacy, um, but it that's is a sunken a waste. cost. Yeah, it's just a waste. It, yeah. it, it's it, it's a it's just a waste. Um, but if you specifically, it's a sunken cost fallacy because you're reluctant to get rid of it because of the resources that you've that you've put into. It. Because I um, think it's more valuable than it is. Because I I I think that I've I've dumped enough time, effort, money, whatever, emotion, whatever it is into it, uh, to keep it around needlessly. Uh, yep. that's and the sunken cost fallacy. Th- right this there. is why, this is why people stay in relationships. They hate. This is why people stay with people that, the, that they've, that they've lost all affection for, that they don't, that they no longer love. This is the reason that people stay in those types of relationships because they say, I spent so much time and energy in this relationship that I'm just going to do the same thing in another relationship. Why bother? But they're not, they're not focused on improving this current relationship. They're just ha- They're not even happy there. They are going to just let it coast and slowly, slowly drift downwards. That's the sunken cost. Um, they, 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 they believe they've already put so much effort into this one that it's not worth it to try and get out. Well, I think I could probably go on for days on sunken <laughs> cost in relationships, but I, I think at this point I need another beer. Um, I need to grab Sounds one. Good. I need to get my cat off the oven, uh, off the stove because he has decided to, I don't know what it is. Every time I start podcasting, he's like, I'm going to explore the fucking kitchen. Um, it's nice and it's nice and warm on the stove. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so I'm going to get him down. I'm going to get another beer. Uh, we can take a little break and uh, come back and hopefully Sounds get back good. on topic. All right. All right no problem. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, good little break there. Refresh the beers. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, so we got a little bit off topic <laughs> the last time in the last little session there. Uh, yeah, so- I mean, that, I mean that, 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 does, that tends to happen, um, especially when, we talk, when people talk about psychology, uh, because as I mentioned, these various phenomena, um, people recognize bits of them bits of these things that happen within their own lives and then they albeit incorrectly <laughs> well i mean you know um there's there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap 
um, for, with a lot of various phenomena. Um, so it's not like it's it's not like <coughs> there's any one one uh, true experience that is more valid than another's with regard to you know, psychological phenomena. Everybody's experience is different, um, and people are are people will recognize these things in themselves and they'll go, Oh, Hey, yeah. Well, like, how about that time when I did this? Like, just like when you brought up your gym membership, um, it is 100% um, related to what we're talking about. It may not be the exact same thing, but you can bet that there's probably something that is exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's just one of psychology is just one of those fields where there's a word for everything. Yeah. Um, so if we want to like loop it right back around to what we talked, what we were talking about before, um, which was sort of emotional sensitivity, intelligence, um, and our general feeling about things, um, humans are inherently, uh, very social people and they want to be able to belong. Even members of individualistic societies, um, want to be a part of a group, um, whether that group is, uh, I want to be in a, a specific club, like uh, people who join country clubs, um, or whether they want to be known as a jock or a nerd or a goth, the, like these, these cliques that form in high schools. Sure. Um, these all are formed out of a desire to belong to something. Um, and even though in individualistic societies, um, the, the bonds and connections and links are, are viewed much more loosely than in more collectivistic societies, it still is uh, absolutely a basic human need um, for acceptance from the people around you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that whole, like, tribal community aspect, right? Mm -hmm. like, you just want... I mean, at our, at our core, this, and it's interesting that you bring that up, because um, at our core, we are a group of tribal nomadic hunter-gatherers, um, and that, that, go, that, that, that's sort of a, a, a recall back to a lot of our behaviors are recalls back to when we were those people that was in the scheme of things evolution wise that wasn't that long ago um and we still have the we still have a lot of instincts inside of us um that are um that are left that are holdovers from the days of nomadic uh tribes um racism is uh is a holdover from nomadic ways of thinking, um, prejudiced thoughts and discrimination. These are all, yeah, um, you're not part of my group. Get out of right. here. You're, you're so, probably dangerous. Right. So let's, let's say that you and I are, uh, a, are, are two members of a group of, a tr of this tribe and you are my child. And I tell you, you must beware of the flat-faced, wide-nosed, slant-eyed people because the last time we encountered these people, they murdered a bunch of our friends and stole our dogs and were total dicks, man. 
And so I, I want the, that to be like the warning to like a population when one day, like when war breaks yeah. out, they're like, like just, just Trump gets on the stand and it's like, we're declaring <laughs> war on these people because they, they're total, they, dicks. They're total dicks, bro. Like they are total right. dicks. And then like exactly. the entire country of America is just like, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> right, because they're, yeah. they're total dicks. Yeah. So the next time that you, my child, who has, who has never seen one of these flat-faced, flat-nosed, slant-eyed people, you remember what I tell you. You make a snap judgment because it is, in, uh, in essence, life or death, and you attack and kill them before they can attack and kill us. Uh, this was a method of survival. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's what's interesting about that kind of comment is that it's it's actually the same thing about it doesn't even necessarily have to be the same race. Like obviously you're talking about how racism uh came out of this, how profiling, how uh, all of these things come out of uh kind of this instinctual behavior, but the same instinctual behavior happens like, hey, that thing that looks like a cat that like it has this huge mane on it. Like don't get close to it. Cause it'll fucking kill you. Like it's the same instinct, right? Like exactly. Uh, exactly. And so, <laughs> and so the, and, and that if now let's, 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 let's talk about that. Um, so we have fairly good reason to be afraid of lions. They can fucking kill us. Uh, yeah. And they have, and they have not stopped killing us um at, at no point did lions stop attacking humans um because they're lions and it's what they do they hunt they, they're, they're hunters but at a certain point after we evolved um and we 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 were introduced to new forms of society where it's you know more integrated those instincts and feelings people who are different from me are dangerous um become feelings of xenophobia and racism um, and anything that, that we don't inherently understand and accept as being a part of our in-group is bad and must either be avoided or attacked um, because if we don't attack them, they're going to attack us. Um, and this is where a lot of those issues come from. But uh, the problem, the real problem that lies within uh, the people who are taught these lessons without experiencing them, who then teach their kids, who then teach their kids, who then teach their kids. And eventually none of these kids have even, none of these people have seen a lion before. They don't even know what a lion looks like. All that they've been told is that there are these big old things with four legs and big bushy manes that fucking eat you. And so they're, they're afraid of them despite having never seen one or knowing or despite not knowing anybody who was attacked by one. Um, and it, that's, that's the same sort of experience when we're talking about, you know, different races, different groups. Sure. Um, now to be fair and not to give any validity to racism because yeah, no, I, I'm, it, I'm not trying right. to give any validity. We, we, to we, I think, I think we but, can, I think we can, we can, we can objectively say that racism is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, like to say that you know, the, the hard part about that argument is that, 
you know, like it gets passed down from generation to generation. And so then eventually it comes down to me and because I have no experience from it, I should uh, be more open-minded and I should uh, try to accept people uh, for who they are and what they are and stuff like that. And, and I definitely believe that uh, the, the problem with that argument is that if we're talking about lions, I've never met a lion in my life, but I should totally not walk up to one and try and befriend it because Correct. I will likely die. Uh, so that instinctual right. idea, that instinctual thought still exists. And that's, that's the tough part to break, right? Right. And, 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 and lionism, the, 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 the discrimination that we, the discrimination that we, that towards we, lions, the, like I don't want to befriend lions. The, right. <laughs> the discrimination towards lions, don't befriend a lion, totally don't like talk to lions. It's kind of a bad thing to do, uh, is justified. Because a lion will fucking eat you, bro. Yeah, exactly. But again, I think the the problem is that that, and again, not advocating uh, the ideals of of the other. It's just that it's exactly the same uh, instinctual thought, right? Like, correct. It's it. I I agree. Racism is bad. We should fight. You know, to try. You know, to try and remove it from society and things like that. But the instinctual behavior of racism is the same instinctual behavior as I should not get close to poisonous snakes or I should not get close to all of these things. Correct. Um, And which is why um, one of the most powerful, uh, one of the most powerful antidotes to uh, racism and, and prejudice thoughts and behaviors is to spend time around people who you don't understand? Um, sure. I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. The, I can't remember his name, but this gentleman was—I uh, believe he was the son of one of the most prominent members of the KKK, um, and he was raised believing all of the things that the KKK believed, um, and he didn't question them until he met this older black gentleman. Um, and he started spending time around this guy and not long after spending time with him, you know, with, uh, in the scheme of things, probably about three years, two, three years, I think it was, um, he had completely changed his views and renounced himself. He was, this guy was, he, he was the poster child, um, of the KKK. He was like their, their, he was their marketing tool. And he basically said, yeah, no, fuck this. I'm out because he realized that everything that he had been told was not true. was, was a lie. Um, so this actually comes back to something mm-hmm. we were talking about in the first segment, which is, you know, like I believe in what my group believes. Uh, yep. and I am very against going against that because I have, I don't want to leave the group, but as soon as I associate myself with another group, I might actually uh, gather more information that would allow me to more easily separate from my prior group. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Which is, I guess, interesting. You know, again, going back to what you said is like, yeah, spend more time with the, you know, like, um, 
if, if you spend more time amongst other races and things like that, you will eventually likely develop less prejudice towards them. Um, you will, you will behave, uh, you know, more equally amongst them yes. because, because, uh, it, it just becomes part of your group and things like that. Right. Correct. Um, and, and this is this, I think this type, that I, well, sorry, hmm? sorry to interrupt. I think the, uh, I think the problem is, is the initial move to that. Because again, if we, if we talk about like, uh, you know, again, not trying to simplify this in any sort of way that makes <laughs> it cheap. Um, but like if we talked about the same relationship of, you know, me and poisonous snakes, like King Cobras or something like that, like, I don't want to deal with King Cobras, but like, if I wanted to have a relationship with King Cobras and I spent time with them, I might find out that they're like really great animals and I understand how to deal with them. And, you know, like, I, I don't believe that this is a thing that'll ever happen in my life, but, uh, <laughs> but if it, if you know, like it, it's the same idea, like I would have to make that leap initially to say like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, you know, just jump into a pit of King Cobras and we're going to hang out for a few minutes and it's going to be a little scared. They're going to be afraid of me. I'm going to be afraid of them. Uh, and we're going to sort through our issues, you know, um, Right. It, it, it's really and, hard and to do that. It's, talk- it's much easier to say like, Hey, like, I'm gonna, you know, let's all go get coffee and or right, whatever. Cause, you know. cause it's, it's easy to get it. It's easy to go and get coffee. Um, but it, it's much more difficult to do something that you are not comfortable with and that you have been raised your entire life. Believing is wrong or dangerous or, any other bad adjectives. Um, yeah. And believing that not because, I mean, because it's been instilled in you for sure. Uh, you know, you've been educated that way, but also because it's been instilled in you in a way that is instinctually the way that humans work in yep. general. Um, and, 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 and as I think you're going to, you're, you're probably going to find that as, as we, have these discussions, you'll realize that there's a lot that's connected because we could even talk about how this ties into uh, cult behavior um, and how this ties into the sunken cost fallacy. I spent so much time hating this group of people that it would be a waste if I started not hating them. Um, that's a really interesting uh, topic that like, you know, same thing, like the, the kid that was the son of the head of the cake, like, prominent guy in the KKK is like, I've spent like how much, you know, like how much leap did you have to get through to, you know, like abandon what essentially was like a lifetime of investment into hatred. Right. The, 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 the amount of, the amount of cognitive dissonance, um, that, that he had to experience, um, as he realizes that everything that he's been taught is essentially a lie um, has, has it's got to be an insane amount. He's got to be just so uh, he's got to be so at odds with his core self um, as he goes through that, um, that the fact that he was able to come out the other side um, change rather than shutting down as a defense mechanism speaks a lot to his, uh, capacity for character. I'm not saying that he's a great guy because he stopped being racist. 
Um, but he, well, his, his, marginally, right? Like he stopped being racist in that one very specific, uh, you know, facet. I, I wouldn't say that that eliminates people entirely. Right. Like that's the, I have a black friend argument, right? Right. Right. And, and, and uh, but to, to say that he, to say that he is a inherently a good person because he was able to stop being actively racist is not necessarily true, but the but the fact that he that he was able to reconcile uh, everything that he had been taught and realize that those were lies, and that he was able to change his his thought processes towards this group of people shows a level of of um, mental and emotional fortitude that a lot of people don't possess. Um, it's why a lot of people who know that they uh, shouldn't be eating meat, continue to eat meat. Um, it's despite, despite the, and th- this is something that I personally struggle with, despite knowing that by consuming meat products, I am contributing to the damage of the environment. Um, I continue to eat meat, despite the fact that I am in all other aspects, very environmentally conscious because my entire life I've grown up eating meat. And to, and to suddenly stop would be really difficult for me. And I recognize that that is really difficult um, and that it's something that I will probably never be perfect at. Um, and Also, one day, bacon I, is delicious. So Also, bacon is delicious. Um, oh, sorry. Bacon, I, it's, bacon, is, bacon is so good. I have good. an addiction, all right? It's, it's just as bad as <laughs> cigarettes or booze or anything else. Right, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. I need to um, have bacon in my life. So this is the, this is the I mean our our problem, our meat eating problem is, you know, to a lesser extent, um the same problem that this KKK guy had that that he uh but he, on the other hand, you had to go against your I, values. Had to go against right. the things that you believed that right. you were instilled exactly. in you for a very, very long and, time. Yeah. And not even go, not even going against the things that you believe, but reconciling that the things that you believe are not true, or that are, or are in fact actively completely false. Yeah, and I think um, that's actually a better point uh, because, like, going against the things you believe is just like rebellion, right? Like. I, you know, it's like what every teenager does is like, ah, fuck authority. Like I'm going to start a punk band (laughs) or whatever. Um, Uh, Yes. Yes. And no. Yes. uh, But the, what, what you're talking about here is like a complete, like dismissal of the previous and And, and it's a a um, complete and total rejection of your, of your previous beliefs takes a lot. Um, yeah, exactly. Whereas rebellion is like saying, like, I agree that that's still a thing. I just want to be a different thing. Like it where and where this is like, I don't think that should ever be a thing. <laughs> like that's right. I've, yeah. Um, completely changing, completely changing your worldview um, is, is not easy. Um, and, and changing an entire lifestyle it's really a very difficult thing for a person to do. Um, even, even over the course of a long period of time, people really struggle. Um, and I, I applaud people who, uh, who attempt to make themselves better. So, you know, good on them. 
Um, so then I uh, guess here's, here's another, like, uh, I guess, avenue down that, you know, and this, this could get really controversial or, or <laughs> terrible. Oh, boy. Um, but Wait, hold on. Two, two white guys on a podcast talking about something controversial? This has never been done before. It's... It, it'll never cause any problems. I will not no. get hate mail. Uh, I will <laughs> not get any negative feedback ever. Um, but uh, no, so uh, I, I guess at, at some point then, all right, so like let's, let's, take, um, let's take, for example, like if someone is the, um, you know, son of the most prominent member of the KKK, uh-huh. Uh, and they are racist um, by default, <laughs> essentially, sure. right? Um, at what point can we as a society entirely blame them for those things? Because, again, uh, we, can, we can go back to the idea that, like, yeah, one guy changed his mind, but we both agreed already, just, I mean, two minutes ago, agreed that this would be a incredibly difficult thing to completely disavow the uh, beliefs, the worldview that you had prior to this thing. Uh, how can we say that those people are, I mean, we can say that they're wrong, right? Um, in from mm-hmm. our own point of view, but how can we say that they should change if they can't? Huh. So, we're we're wandering more into the realm of philosophy. Um, sure, is, and I uh, and I is, apologize. That's probably no, it's, no, my, this is fine. I'm my fine. I'm better. I'm realm. fine with this. I'm fine with this. Um, this is where we talk more about the the ethics of things, the right and the wrong of things, rather than the 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 the, the facts. Um, and uh, there's there's no easy answer for this. But so uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm parsing your question correctly um you're asking you know at what point do we just can can we condemn somebody as bad um for their beliefs rather than telling them that they're wrong yeah exactly um yeah <laughs> i mean essentially <laughs> okay. es- essentially well, that yeah uh so um plato and aristotle weren't able to figure out but let's see if uh, spin and jeremy can give uh, we're not uh, going to, by the way. <laughs> we're going to spend an no, hour talking unlikely. about this, and uh, eventually we will end up the same, except probably more drunk than Plato slash Aristotle. I don't know. I've 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 heard I've, I've heard a couple of drinking songs about that. Well, um, fair enough. Anyway, they, do, they were also doing <laughs> wine. We're just doing beer, so that's true. They're um, maybe one step ahead. <laughs> uh, so. It's difficult to say at what point do we, at what point do we, can we condemn somebody as, as bad or evil or for their action, for their beliefs? It's, I think it's really, we, we can really only judge somebody as bad or evil or malicious based on their actions, on, on their, the, the actions that they take against other people. Um, that said, um, if somebody is, if somebody acknowledges that what they're doing or what they're thinking is actively harmful towards other people and doesn't care, that's probably a pretty good metric of their 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 character as a person. Um, 
I think that if someone truly believes that what they that what they're saying is right, um, then it would be very difficult to classify them as wrong or evil. But if someone is sort of accepting that what they're doing is wrong and doesn't care, that's about as close to like evil as I can think of. So that's, that's a really interesting take on this. Uh, I, I think, and again, not to, I, I don't, you know, not to be contradictory or anything like that, but um, mm-hmm. there have been several people in the world historically uh, that have done things that they believed that were right, that we define as evil now. Uh, And there, there have been several people that also that certain groups, even outside of their own groups have done things that they knew were wrong um, that people would praise as heroes. Um, you know, like to a lesser extent to get maybe a little bit off the racist topic, there was recently a guy that um, he's a, he's a hacker and he's got a YouTube channel and he got a uh, phishing phone call from some scammer that was trying to pretend to be the IRS. And in response to it, he, wrote up a script and like flooded their phone calls, their phone center with um, stuff. And the legality of what he did is questionable. Um, But what he was doing was for the greater good of people. But, but we, we could all agree that what he was doing was wrong, but he's not a bad person, right? He would now hold on now. Sure. How hold on now. Could we, can we agree that what he was doing was wrong? Uh, legally speaking, probably. Well, there's a different there's a difference between between morality and legality. Okay, so then okay, so then maybe we can agree bad... that what he we can agree that what he did was illegal, but can we agree that what he did that it was right? Was sure. Wrong, okay, that I, it was right or wrong. That's that's totally a fair argument, and and maybe I'm I'm making the maybe it's a bad example, but again, <laughs> if if we if we go back to uh, the idea that, like, if someone is doing something uh, that they believe is right, even though it's wrong, uh, that we maybe can't call them evil. I mean, like, we could. Well, we could uh, well again, just I did, as I, easily just like throw out the 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 name Hitler and just be like, well, this guy sure. thought well, he I, was doing what was right for the world. Uh, what was right for the country of Germany, and I, sure. I believe that most of us would agree that he was evil. Uh, so, sure, it is. However, I did say that I think that one that that uh, that ultimately one's impact is more is more important than one's intent. Um, I think that uh, that even if he thought he was doing there, I think there are two ways to categorize evil. I think there are people who who perform evil actions and people who are genuinely who who genuinely have evil thoughts. Um, so, someone who thinks that uh, who thinks that gay people should die um, is aware that there is nothing wrong with gay people. That there is uh, that gay people are just as human and feeling as anybody else 
and still thinks that they should die just because he wants them to. So I, f- I feel even like if, even so I, I, I agree with what you're, where you're going with this, but uh, I think the problem that I would have with this argument is that he is aware that they are, that they are the same. Uh, and I don't believe that that's the case. I think people that want to her- harm uh, the, uh, you know, LGBTQ uh, community for the most part actually think that they are so separated in a community that they are different and therefore not the same. Um, they're not harming their own community. If that makes sense. Like I'm not harming my own. This goes back to like the tribal thing. Like that tribe is attacking my tribe. I need to take out that tribe because my tribe needs to be protected. Whereas like, I I believe that you and I would agree that we're all the same tribe, right? Like, uh, we, we should treat people that way, but, uh, or we should treat people well, not that way. Um, but I, that's, I think that's what I'm getting at is I think that in, for the most part, I, I wouldn't say this is a hundred percent true. There are definitely people out there who are, uh, intentionally malicious. We could go into the talks of actual psychopaths, right? But, uh, um, but for the most part, I would say that most people actually think that they are not affecting their own society, uh, and that sure. society that they're affecting is outside of theirs. Sure. And there, there's a, there's a pretty, so there's a pretty solid argument for evilness as a mental illness. Um, there, there's, there's you know, pretty good evidence that people who have these deviant and aberrant behavior patterns are what we, and, and that, w- that we would categorize as, as evil are really just sick people. Um, which makes it really difficult as a person in who is who has a background in psychology um, to 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 hate anybody because how do you hate the mentally ill? Um, so I, I think there's there's a slight difference, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong. I, I could be entirely off uh, mm-hmm. in my thinking here, uh, but I think there's a difference uh, between people that are sick and malicious aware um, maybe uh, my brain doesn't have the capacity to understand right versus wrong or, um, or maybe relishes the idea of intentional harm or putting myself in a position of power over other people or uh, intentionally manipulating people. Uh, Mm. maybe without even knowing that I'm doing it because it's just my brains wired incorrectly or whatever, or wired differently. Um, and therefore, uh, we could call me sick comparatively to the rest of the population. I would agree with that. Um, but if we, if we went back to our original idea where, where we were talking about like the instinctual brain, um, like, if there was a snake in my house and I had a family and it's a poisonous snake, I would do everything in my power to kill that fucking snake, uh, to make sure that it couldn't harm the things around me. Right. Uh, and that is actually a totally rational, uh, 
uh, mindset to have. There's a thing that is threatening my immediate community. I need to destroy it, get rid of it, be not near it, right? Uh, And so I think that in a portion of this argument is that there is a community that exists that believes that people that are different than them are those snakes, right? So I need to kill, you know, remove, otherwise eradicate them from the presence of my own society. And again, I, I think from an outside perspective, we can both agree that this is incorrect, that this is wrong. Uh, but from if if we talk about like the instinctual brain where like there's something threatening my society, something threatening my immediate community, uh, and that threat is real in my head, there is a valid reaction to that, which is to uh, try and destroy it, try and like remove it. Uh, and that maybe that's also happening. And those aren't sick people. They're just, instinctually wrong, I guess, if that makes sense. I don't know if I kind of no, rambled it, it, there. <laughs> it, 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 does, it does make sense. Um, and again, this is why the problem of... of, of this is why you and I are not going to solve this problem. <laughs> this, uh, is why the pro- this is why the problem of evilness um, from, a, from both a philosophical and uh, a psychological perspective is... Um, so difficult because um, there's no there's no objective way to classify evil um, like what we like we when we think evil we think people like Voldemort or um, we think we think of like fictional villains people who are you know wearing top hats with mustaches tying ladies to train tracks. Um, <laughs> These are. I, I these, hope that that's what everyone thinks of when they think of like the word evil. They're like, oh, there's some crazy. I mean, this is tying some, I mean, you know, damsel to a train track, right? And the, which and, has and, so many sexist <laughs> overtones to it, by the and, way. And in, in in a lot of in a lot of forms of media, evilness is an is is an is not an abstract thing. It's a concrete thing, and and there's dark magic and fell magic and all of these these evil things that are objectively evil um and it's not that black and white in the real world which makes the problem so much more difficult because we can't we can't identify evil 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 people don't walk around saying i am evil because nobody thinks that they're evil nobody thinks that they're a monster um, yeah, it's that, not written on my character sheet, right? Exactly. It's it's so. not like we again. We're not walking around with character sheets thinking, you know, I am evil. Um, it we we we're not we don't we're not D and D characters. We don't have alignments. Um, I, I think the the even further the problem is that you know that we actually as a if we talk about media, we actually do very much make a black and white out of evil, like. Um, you know, depending on what news source you choose, uh, these same racist, uh, stories could go either way. They could be like, Oh, policeman was a hero. Cause he like stopped someone from doing something. And you look sure. at the other and, side, and, and it's and like, the... Oh, he was like totally abused this other person. And again, like 
not to like go into the specific of those things, but even outside of those things, right? Like if we talk about like things like ISIS, like I feel like if we talked about ISIS right now, the general public would be like, ISIS is evil. Uh, with zero context of, you know, like obviously we have, we have like attacks that have happened. Uh, sure. None of us have actually experienced, well, very few of us have experienced that in any right. sort of real way. Uh, so we define it as we are very black and white about like what is good and what is evil. Um, and, but therein, but therein lies the issue is that in terms of things like media and what we, and on how we consume our news and information, we want it to be very black and white laid out in front of us. And it just, the truth of it is that it just isn't that way. It isn't that simple. Um, and so the problem arises when we simplify things. When we, when, I, when we simplify things by saying people on the alt-right are Nazis, people uh, who do the, this thing that I don't agree with are evil, um, we, are, we are not taking into account all of the various factors that make them believe the way that they do um, because it's much easier for us to just discount them as evil and wrong. Um, and because if they're evil and I disagree with them, I must be good. And again, we've talked about this, the, the gymnastics that people do to make themselves feel better about themselves is, uh, is astronomical. It's, a, it's an enormous amount of effort that we put forth to uh, put ourselves in the best light possible. Yeah, I, I agree. Um... All right, I've, I think I'm about ready for another break. Uh, what are you thinking about over here? Oh, no, sounds good to me. Okay, so uh, we'll refresh beers and do all of that, and we'll be right back. Hell yeah. All right, we're back uh, with Jeremy. We had a great little break there. Um, <laughs> got, got a few new beers and stuff. Uh, so I think you said you might have somewhere you want to pick up on. Maybe we could get back on. Yeah, so I figured, I figured we could kind of tie all of this together um, with a, a, a discussion about... Um, the permeability of the line between good and evil um, and how social influences can, well, influence us uh, to do evil, despite the fact that we always think we're the one who wouldn't. Um, so are you familiar with a man named Philip Zimbardo? No. So Philip Zimbardo was a, uh, a psychologist at the, uh, Stanford University, uh, and way back in the 1970s, he conducted uh, an experiment, um, a now famous experiment, um, called the, uh, the prison experiment. Uh, essentially, what he did is he turned uh, a section of the school into a prison, um, and he had something like 20 volunteers. These were all young, white males. Um, he had, he had them all, um, show up one day, um, 
and they were randomly assigned the role of either uh, a prison guard or a prisoner. Uh, and he essentially uh, let them run the prison with a certain with certain rules. And then after he briefed everybody, um, they the prisoners were, were put in their cells. The guards were, were were basically given free reign to do what they wanted as long as they couldn't they didn't they didn't break certain rules. They couldn't uh, be violent, things like that. Um, and essentially, what happened was that it became um, it became like a real prison um, within just a few days. Um, the, the prison guards became very creative in their punishments for the prisoners who um, were disobeying, despite the fact that they knew they were in, ex- in an experiment. Their gut instinct was to disobey the guards, and those guards became inordinately cruel um, and and um, and dispassionate about hurting non non physically um, the prisoners. So they they starved out the prisoners. Um, they they um, they cordoned off a section of the prison and turned it into like solitary confinement. Um, they made all they made everybody. Uh, all of the prisoners stripped down and turned the prisoners against one another when, when people didn't conform. It was a really interesting experiment, although um, because Philip Zimbardo allowed the experiment to go go on for so long, um, it actually it, it violated a lot of like ethics. Um, and it led to a no. it ended it, en- it ended up it ended up breaking a lot of the rules of an experiment. Um, and so is widely considered a failure um, and is more of a cautionary tale on how to conduct an experiment than anything else. Um, but since then, Zimbardo has done a lot of work on the nature of um, the banality of evil, just how easy it is to access that evilness in us. Um, and he was one of the witnesses for, uh, he was a, an expert witness for um uh, the soldiers in the Abu Ghraib scandal. Um, oh, so yes. I, I actually so, have very moderately intimate familiarity with this. Yeah, so he he was, he was basically got on the stand and he argued um, that it was very easy and that the situations, uh, the situation provided um, um, made it very easy for these soldiers to slip into a mindset of what was essentially evil. Um, so, um, Zim, uh, this was, uh, God, this was, I can't remember when the Abu Ghraib scandal was, was this 2004 or something, right? Uh, uh yeah, it's 2004 or five, somewhere around there. Yeah. It's, um, the, yeah, I, I can't remember when it was, but, um, he, 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 he kind of explains that um, that in a lot that in a lot of media, um, evil is something that is like is is physically taken into yourself. Um, Doctor Jekyll turns into Mister Hyde by drinking some sort of chemical, um, but that doesn't really doesn't really happen. Um, just enough of enough certain enough of certain social influences is enough to um to turn 
people into what we consider to be evil. Um, the way that the, the way that the soldiers treated the prisoners um, is we can pre- pretty much objectively say is an evil way to treat people. Um, but um, but that 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 line that line between good and evil is definitely uh, permeable, um, definitely immutable line. Um, there's another another so, uh, social psychologist. Uh, this was many decades ago. His name is uh, Stanley Milgram. Um, he performed this experiment, and this one was an actual experiment, and, and is is widely acclaimed uh, to be one of the more revealing in terms of social influence. Um, has player has players has um, uh, participants um, administer increasingly dangerous electric shocks to what they think are real people. They're just recordings. Um, and with each dial, with each, uh, with each um, progressive shock, um, the, the cries of pain on the recording become more and more distressed. Intense, yeah. um, and they are, they're, 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 it's, they have like this, this sort of this, uh, this slide um, where that shows them at what point it becomes a dangerous or deadly shock. Um, and slowly the assistant um, conducting the experiment um, asks them, asks the participant to crank it higher and higher and higher. Eventually, they're asking them to administer these deadly shocks, and these. It turns out that the people in the in the experiment <coughs> uh, are administering shocks at levels that are truly deadly, um, without realizing that they're doing it or. Just despite the fact that they previously said that they would not, um, so the um, it, you could there are a couple of like because they it, they have no connection with who's getting well it's a couple so it's a couple of reasons um, yeah. that's that's actually one of them um, so there are a couple there are a couple of, of ways to, to influence people into doing things that they would not normally do um, you can provide them with an ideology. Give them a reason to do it. Um, you can uh, again go with the with the foot in the door technique, like cults do, as you ask them to do do it small, and st- you start off small and get progressively more demanding until they're in this pattern of saying yes, and saying no would violate that pattern. Because um, again, we we like to operate through patterns, um, and to break that pattern would be um, mentally discomforting. Um, if we make the people who are in charge seem like they are justified in, re- in making these requests, um, then we're more likely to comply. Um, if we are constantly changing, the, if we're moving the goalposts, changing the rules, um, you can you keep people confused. Um, if you uh, de-individuate the person participating, um, they're much more likely. If you put a hood on somebody, they're much more likely to engage in uh, behavior that uh, that they wouldn't normally do. Um, this is why mobs are so dangerous because you become a faceless member of a mob um, and no longer an individual. No longer an individual. Um, if you if you if you put this person if you put the participant in a room where the door is clearly marked. Um, like an exit door is clearly marked, they're much more likely to rebel 
than if you put them in, a, in an area of a room where they can't see an exit. If you make exiting a situation more difficult, they're much less likely to rebel. Um, you can... Um, These are all like really interesting kind of like facts of like how people would uh, become evil yep. in, I mean, this is- in a in a, you know, like a situation or whatever. Yep. Um, um, you give somebody a hood, you give them a mask, you give them a uniform and, um, it, it increases their, their level of anonymity. It makes them feel faceless. Um, which is why vandalism is such a big thing during riots. No, vandalism doesn't actually bring anybody any benefit. It's just a senseless act that people are more inclined to perform because they are, but I can do it because no one who knows who I am. I'm in a crowd. I just, I just smashed a window and I got to do that and will never pay any repercussions for it. Exactly. Um, there, uh, in, in 19, uh, 1974, um, uh, there was a, an anthropologist from Harvard. Uh, his name was John Watson. Um, and he evaluated, <laughs> did he have a good friend named, uh, Sherlock Holmes? No. Uh, <laughs> although that's very funny. Uh, he evaluated, <laughs> uh, he evaluated like, like two dozen different cultures. Um, and these were like, uh, warrior cultures. And he determined to, uh, some of these warriors had masks and face paint, um, and was measuring what their, behavior was while they were masked versus, you know, not wearing masks or paint or anything that, that obscures their face. Um, and warriors in cultures with like paint and masks were 80% were, um, were 80% more destructive, um, than those who weren't. So they were, they were more likely, um, to torture or kill or mutilate victims rather than, um, simply win a battle. Um, they were much more prone to cruelty because they were anonymous. So this is not something that is exclusive to one culture or another. This is something that is across all cultures. This is a human nature, um, which is both interesting and also really scary. Um, yeah, that, that, I, that this is that this is something that is ingrained in our DNA as a species. Um, we are we are capable and essentially just looking for a, a way to, to get away with murder. Um, I, I feel like the, the scariest part of it is that, you know, if we, if we look about, if we look back at like tribes in general, like uh, how tribes existed um, mm-hmm. in the world prior to now, uh, they were very small groups. So being anonymous in a small group is, is really hard. Uh, yep. But th- as the population explodes, it's like really, really easy to just be a faceless, nameless body in a crowd uh, these days. I mean, think about like anywhere you've been probably in the last like week or something like that, where you've been maybe downtown or something like that. And you're walking around and you could probably, if you wanted to get away with, almost anything you wanted to. Yep. Um, in essence. And, um, which and is why as it grows, as society becomes more public, um, 
So this is actually even could tie into kind of some of the other things we were talking about. So we talk about like these communities where we have these communities and we're very uh, tightly knit and we do not accept anyone that is outside of our community. Right. So we Uh could say that, uh, you know, we have a racial community and we don't accept people of different races. We have a, you know, sexual identification or uh, gender mm-hmm. identification community. And we don't accept people that don't identify the same way, whatever. Sure. Uh, but as we become more accepting of those cultures, those tribes become bigger and then we become smaller inside them. We become smaller, faceless, nameless um, things uh, that, this is this could get really dark right here, uh, but, uh, but like that if you wanted to be a person that uh, was evil, uh, if you were truly evil, you would somehow um, build a community around the thing that you hated. Uh, you would join that community and eventually become a faceless, nameless, anonymous person inside that community and then start destroying it from within itself. Uh, and that is a really scary thought in my head. Uh, and, and yes, and that is, that is definitely possible, though, more spe- though I'm more specifically talking about um, some, uh, a concept called the banality of evil, uh, the, the sort of the, the normalcy of evil. If, if, if you, if you spend a lot of time around people who do this thing that you consider is wrong, but they continue to do it, eventually you will find that you're not finding it as wrong as you once did. Um, sure. And, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to distract from that point in and of itself. I, I think that that's actually, it's, um, I mean, I, I feel like history shows that all the time where we were just like, Oh yeah, like women just don't vote. Like that's just a thing that doesn't happen. Um, right. And like all of us agree on that thing, uh, and it's actually worse for society. Um, but I, I guess my point was that like if you were a truly evil person, like someone, someone that we could maybe. So this maybe goes back to like the definitions of what is good and evil and stuff like that. And we, we could get into, again, that same discussion. We don't need to, but uh, we get into that same discussion of like, it's very difficult to define what is evil, but I, I feel like you and I could probably agree that if, uh, if you were a truly evil person and you wanted to affect uh, a group of people evilly, this would be a, brilliant way to like infiltrate a society was just to become an anonymous member of that society and take it down anyway. uh, to an to an extent yeah I, I could see that i mean to to be fair it's exactly how like uh you know um bombings work and stuff like that right like i i'm not just like some wacko crazy guy i I blend into the crowd of the society that exists in the Boston Marathon and plant a bomb somewhere in, you know, I become a face. I'm purposely trying to do harm to a society that I am not a part of. So I try and blend into that society, plant a bomb, leave, 
blow it up and harm that society. I mean, this is, this is a very direct physical attack, right? But you could do the same thing from a social construct, right? Um, or at least... In theory, in theory, yeah. So that's what's m- most, I, I think, most terrifying to, what, uh, to me of what you said. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, people are, people are scary. Yeah, it, agreed. <laughs> um, I feel like if I'm thinking about this, like other people are thinking about much, much, much worse things. <laughs> so, uh, which is even scarier. I, I can't even figure out how to go. I, I mean, I can't even figure out like how that can exist. How, uh, I don't know. It's crazy in my head. I'm definitely rambling mostly because I think I freaked myself out a little bit uh, and I'm, I'm like backpedaling through uh, trying not to be. Hey man, so this is, this, this is, this is shit I do. This is shit I do for a living. I do for a living all day, every day. How do you think I'm feeling constantly? I don't know how you live through a day. If this is, if this is what you do, I would be so paranoid Literally all of the days, I would just, I would, I wouldn't leave my house. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, you should uh, leave your so, house, by the way. <laughs> so that this is my this is this is my contribution to the uh, to the discussion. Uh, it's it's really easy to get tricked into doing evil stuff. Um, and even being aware of the ways that you can get tricked into doing evil stuff aren't going to stop it. Um, so it's really just, you know, a matter of uh, personal fortitude to be completely honest. Yeah. I, so I wanted to go back to um, something we talked about in the first session. We talked about collectivist and individualist cultures. I want to try and mm-hmm. see if we could like tie this into what we were talking about now. Do you sure. think that, evil within a society is more prone to one or the other of those types of cultures, or is it independent of those cultures? And then secondly, is it more or less effective in either of those cultures? Uh, That's a really good question. Um, I think uh, off the, from what I know uh, off the top of my head, um, I, I would suspect that it is much it is much easier to convince um, a, a collectivist uh, society to conform to uh, uh, acts of systematic evil. Um, it is much easier to convince an entire group of people who already value um, group cohesion um, to do something. Uh, as a group that we consider to be morally reprehensible. Um, they're already in that position of being a group mentality. So when you convince the person that they all listen to of this thing, then the rest are, are going to follow. Yeah. Uh, when fairly, when, they, when they came for the Jews, I said nothing because I was not a Jew. Sort of. Yes. Sort of. Yes. But at the, um, to, to, Again, I'm not a huge fan of bringing Hitler and the Nazis into things just because it's really easy target. But for the sake of ease of the discussion, um, talking about Nazi Germany and the rise of Nazi Germany um, is 
what had happened, the, 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 what were the, the, um, the factors that contributed to the rise of Nazi Germany? Well, one of them was economic depression. Their, their economy was terrible because of the war they had just lost. Um, they were, the Germans were collectively a broke, scared, beaten down people who were looking for a way to restore themselves to their former glory or their former perceived glory. And then this funny guy with a weird looking mustache comes up and says, hey guys, I know who's to blame for all of your problems. Listen to me and we'll get it all, we'll, we'll, we'll make Germany great again. Uh, so uh, they say, yeah, sure, Hitler, you sound like you know what you're talking about. And so first he asks them to, he, 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 he forms, he gives these people these fancy uniforms and says, hey guys, you're the SS now. Uh, you are my, uh, you are my secret police. Um, you are the Gestapo. And then suddenly the, these, these, the, the Nazis are no longer just this party. They are now a police force. And now the Jews can't work. And now the Jews can't drive. And now the Jews have to go live in a ghetto. And now the Jews have to go get on this train. And now the Jews can't leave. And now that, so it, it gets, it gets more and more extreme but by the time that anybody has, but because it's been such an incremental increase from one stage to the next, that nobody perceives it as, whoa, this is a real big leap. Because to them, it doesn't seem like that big a leap because they're taking just these little bitty steps. Um, but there are so many of these little bitty steps upwards that at some point you're committing evil acts, but you don't realize it because you weren't committing act, evil acts just a few steps before. Until eventually, you're exterminating 13 million people. Um, this is the, I, I, I mean, Nazi Germany is a really good example of this because what did he do? He gave people uniforms. Uh, that's uh, so. That's they, they they became faceless members of a of a group. Um, he made himself out to be a just authority. He knew what he was talking about. He. Um, he had the solution to their problems. Um, he he preyed on the Germans' insecurity and their fear and their anger and turned it on people that he hated um, and used, used the Germans, essentially, to commit acts of unspeakable evil. Um, so... This is definitely something that I think that groups can be more susceptible to. I think uh, generally um, a lot of the a lot of those fears um, that 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 um, that America um, could be susceptible to that sort of um, that sort of 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 institutionalized fascism is probably a little less founded because we are such a strong individualistic society. Um, we place such an emphasis on personal freedoms and personal responsibility um, that I think it would be very difficult to convince um, a, such a mass amount of people um, to think the same way that you do, which is both a blessing and a curse. Sure. Um, it, it means that it means that we are, 
inherently and always going to have people who disagree vehemently on everything, but it also means that they are much less likely to follow this authority figure blindly. Um, there are much more. There are going to be many more people who say, "No, fuck you! I'm going to do what I want." Um, and I think that that's uh, again a, a good and a bad thing. Um, yeah, and I, I, so I, I guess going back to my question of like uh, which which group would be more susceptible to, um, I guess you know, like which one, which one could be more susceptible to it. I I agree with you on the idea of that, like um, that the um, collectivist cultures would be a lot more susceptible to group think to group ideas that where this, you know, like, Hey, we're going to push out these things very uh, slightly. And then eventually we're going to change everyone's minds. And then, all of a sudden we're taking over the world and you didn't even realize we're doing it, but everyone's doing it. So now you're just a part of it. Um, what I wonder is that in individualist societies, if, okay, maybe we're less susceptible to the group side of that, like where all of us would band together and do these things, but it's very mm-hmm. potential. There's a very big potential for, you know, a single person to say, you know what? I've decided I've, I hate this thing. I'm going to personally try and actively destroy this thing on my own. Sure. Um, and that, 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 that becomes, that's more of a, uh, those are, that, that those are essentially acts of, of individual terrorism. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and that's, Oklahoma that's City less, bombing and stuff. Right. Like that. That's, that's less, that's less, um, uh, acts of, of systemic evil and more acts of uh, desperate rage and, and, uh, and hatred. Uh, but, they, but those are singular acts um, and not sure. the same sort of, not guess- the same sort of, not the same sort of banal um, and normal, the normalized evil. I, I guess I maybe I disagree with you in the sense that it's not the same sort of um, normalized evil in the sense that one is normalized evil for a group and the other is normalized evil for an individual. And they're the same type of evil. It's just that one is like, oh, we're just all buying into this because everyone else does. And the other one is like, I've accepted that this is a thing that exists in my life and I'm going to... Uh, rectify those things um where basically you've you've created on the individual level this is uh maybe not the best way to put this but uh but basically you've created your own group in your head and you're part of your own group versus being in a collectivist uh culture where um you're already part of a group and you just buy into what already exists right my cat is trying to disconnect your audio cable right now. That's <laughs> like, all right, you've been on long enough. Um, Don't feed me. But I, I think the the I forgot what the second part of it. Um, oh, the second part was: Do you think one or the other is uh, more prone to those types of acts? Like whether it is, um, if we live in an individualist society. Uh, are we more prone to individual acts of terrorism versus 
if I live in a collectivist society, are we more prone to uh, these uh, kind of mass indoctrination um, versions of terrorism or uh, evil in general? Um, um, if, com- comparing the two against each other, like obviously we probably don't have the individualized terrorism in collectivist societies and we don't necessarily have like these big, you know, group again, like you said, it was a blessing and a curse. Like there's enough people that are going to vehemently, um, deny your idea just because we're all individuals. Um, right. But um, in the idea so, that one person could be a terrorist in one and a group could be a terrorist in another, uh, do we think those are equal or is there one that's more prone to one or the other? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, could, I don't think I could give you an objective answer. Um, I think it is more likely, um, given its nature of, of incremental increasing, um, that that uh, collective collectivist societies are probably more susceptible to um, infiltration of of infiltration by by evil um, than individualist societies are susceptible to individual acts of terrorism. Um, I think that that just by its very nature of there being more people involved in an in, in a collectivistic um society in the de- being more people involved in decision making and in uh that there there's going to be uh a higher likelihood of them being influenced by uh by these these tactics i definitely think that that's cl- going to be more the case more often than not um, but again, I, I can't, I can't really back that up. It's just, it's just, that's just a gut feeling. Sure. Well, right on. Uh, I think, uh, at this point, uh, we could probably call it. I think, um, I think it's been right. a brilliant conversation. Uh, we've well, literally I'm I'm... made no decisions and we've spent <laughs> two hours doing it. Uh, but I, but it was, it was really great talking to you. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for no, Skyping good. in. Um, Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe we could do it again sometime. Um, but for, yeah. for anyone else out there, uh, thanks for listening. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time.